Well, now that we're technically in a bull market, the first thing you want to do is never, ever sell your core position. Not until, not until we've reached the end of this cycle, which I don't think is going to be for at least a few more years. This episode of Mining Stock Education is brought to you by Oren Resources. Oren is a junior exploration company with the appetite of a major, focused on finding the next globally significant discovery to create enormous potential upside for shareholders. It's one of the most aggressive exploration companies pursuing high-grade, scalable gold and copper deposits and has a premier seven-project portfolio including its two flagships, Committee Bay in the Arctic and Sombrero in Peru. With Oren's unparalleled technical team and highly experienced management with a history of success and advancing and monetizing exploration assets, Oren has been called one of the best in the junior exploration sector. Oren trades on the TSX and NYSE under the ticker AUG. To learn more, go to orenresources.com. That's A-U-R-Y-N resources.com. Greetings and welcome back to Mining Stock Education. I'm Bill Powers, your host. I appreciate you tuning in. If you'd like to engage the show, you can always reach me at bill at miningstockeducation.com. Well, gold is above 1500 Silver is above $17. Those are two levels that we haven't seen in quite some time and haven't seen together in quite some time. So I gave a ring to my friend David Erfley, the junior miner junkie. You can find him at juniorminerjunkie.com to get his thoughts on the junior gold sector. With that being said, David, welcome to the show. And uh, what do you think about what's going on? Uh, thanks for having me again, Bill. Always great to talk to you. Yeah, it's uh, it's 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 nice to have uh, 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 watching charts and being involved with charts that are going from the uh, lower left to the upper right for a change instead of the other way around, isn't it? <laughs> yes. <laughs> I mean, it's you know we've we've waited for this bottom for so long, and um, waiting for so long has been has been fortuitous because if you've been constructing a, a junior portfolio for the past few years um, and you've been uh, purchasing the, the best ones to hold on to for the long term, then you're really happy right now. But, uh, you know, if you're just coming into the sector right now, like a lot of these general general uh, generalist investors are, you know, this sector's been so ignored and unloved and, and silver's been hated for so long that uh, it's been forgotten about. So now that people are coming back into it, they're, they're coming into a sector that has become extreme overbought in a very short period of time. So um, now is, is, is the time to have some caution and it's not, time to, it's not the time to chase things yet, but uh, it's, it's time to be cautious because we're about to have a correction here, a sustained correction. It's gonna happen any day now. But uh, uh, like I said, it's, we're, we're now technically in a bull market. So. The, the, the correction may be short and sharp. It may be two, or two, two to four weeks. It may be a month. I don't know, but uh, it, it'll just be a correction. It won't be the ending to, to, this, uh, to what's going on right now. We broke through that 1375 um, resistance pretty strongly as we talk. It's uh, gold's at 1512. Uh, with that pullback, what do you think would be support for that pullback? Well, um, 1400 is really strong support. We had 1,400 tested uh, two weeks ago, and that test lasted only a few hours, I think. I mean, um, it didn't last very long at all. There was a lot of uh, buyers waiting for 1,400 that, that, that missed the breakout. So um, I don't see it going below 1,400 uh, again anytime soon. 
but um, uh, on the upside, 1550 to 1575, that is that is pretty strong resistance. I mean, 1550 was really strong support for uh, a few years at the end of that last bull run. I remember I remember it well, uh, saying to myself that, uh, you know, I've, I've taken some profit, you know, once the once the parabola ended at 1900. And I'm still sitting with a lot of gains here. And um, yeah, if if gold loses 1550, uh, I'm going to be selling a lot more. And that's exactly what happened. And as soon as gold lost 1550, we, we ushered in a, a very brutal bear market for the next for the next uh, three years because that happened in early 2013, and it didn't end until the first early first quarter of 2016. And uh, now that we're getting towards that level, I think uh, that is where we're going to get a sustained correction in that 1550, 1575 level. What are your expectations for the price of silver uh, with the, in the remainder of 2019? Well, uh, silver, silver is, is, uh, is, is looking very good here. You know, the, the silver sector was, like I said, it was hated for so long and despised and, and speculators just said, you know what, I'm going into pot, I'm going into crypto, silver's never going to bottom. And now we've had uh, we've had a monthly close above its 50 month moving average for the first time since silver broke down in early 2013. And now it's it's trading ab above seventeen dollars. So um, I once you see a monthly close above seventeen fifty, then silver will technically will technically join gold in a bull market. So and the action of a lot of these silver equities are are saying that uh, it just may happen in August, which is which we're in August right now. So at the end of this month, watch for a, a monthly close above 1750 in silver. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I noticed uh, it, we're, we're speaking today on Monday, August the 12th. And I noticed a lot of the silver juniors, at least the ones I looked at, were doing quite well, performing quite well today. Yes. I mean, uh, what, what happened um, in 2001 uh, past was prologue. Uh, it happened again uh, during this bottom. Uh, the silver equities began to move up with the miners um, while gold was was breaking out. So that was telling you that silver was about to follow soon, and that's exactly what happened. Copper equities are, you know, it's it, it's tough right now for them with uh, the trade dispute and everything that's going on uh, politically, geopolitically. Uh, what are your thoughts on the price of copper? We saw it get close to $3 earlier this year. Now it's around 260 I read an analysis this morning that says in the next 6 to 12 months, it's going to go below $1.50. Uh, what are your thoughts here? Well, um, I don't know if, I'd, if, if, I, if, if, if I would predict $1.50 copper, but uh, if you take a look at the chart, it's, it doesn't look very good. And Dr. Copper has, has basically was basically giving his warning to the stock market also. So um, I think uh, if the stock market is, uh, the U.S. equities are rolling over here. And uh, what's, with what's going on with the U.S. and China, that doesn't look like it's going to be resolved anytime soon. And copper was telling us that also. Uh, 250 copper is, is is the level to watch. If we lose, if we get a close below 250 copper, there's not a lot of support down to two dollars. So um, if if I, um, I'm not uh, as a speculator, I'm not touching anything, any junior with the word copper in it right now. Mm -hmm. Until oh. copper reaches about two dollars, then you might reconsider yeah. that. Yes, if you if, if if copper, yes, it all depends on what's happening at the time copper reaches two dollars. Uh, 
you know, that what, what and I know who you're talking about, Chris Vermillion, if he's, you know, what he says is absolutely possible. We could easily see a dollar fifty copper if the stock market crashes, which I don't see. I see uh, I see the 200 week moving averages being tested in the big board indexes. Absolutely. That that is a very real possibility, but I don't see a crash. Do you think Trump's going to get a lower dollar like he said he wanted? Well, he's that's what he's doing with the, with the trade war. You know, if you know, since 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 uh, Powell wasn't wasn't doing what he was asking, you know, he he escalated the trade war, which which did it for him. So, um, you know, the U.S. needs a weak currency. Every single country needs a weak currency. I mean, that's what's going on here now. Currency wars, you know, um, and gold and silver are are, are the beneficiary of, the, of these currency wars. So uh, I don't see this ending anytime soon. And I see yields staying uh, really low. Um, and I see uh, what uh, gold is now at its all time high in over 73 currencies around the world. Uh, you know, it's only about 4% from its all time high in the euro and the dollar needs to catch up. You know, you've, you've watched gold um, pretty much ignore what the dollar's been doing. Uh, the past few years, the dollar really hasn't gone, very, gone anywhere. You know, it's pretty much gone sideways. Sure, it's gone sideways with an upward bias, but um, the gold price is a lot higher than it was the last time the dollar was, was around 97 a, a, a year or so ago. So um, what's happening right now is gold is becoming the world's reserve currency. You know, it's, it's going up in all these currencies. So um, it's the safe haven. It's the, the dollar is a safe haven. And gold is a safe haven. And I, I believe the U.S. stock market will continue to be a safe haven once this correction is over. Could you see a resolution? You know, Trump has tweeted that he believes China is holding out for a possible uh, Democrat win in 2020 here in the U.S. elections. But could you see a resolution with that prior to the election? Oh, geez. You know, I'm the wrong person to ask that. Um, the reason I ask is because it, it plays directly on, obviously, the price of gold and these equities we invest in. Right, it does. It it does have it, it does have a lot to do with it. It does have a absolutely. It's it's you know it's the the uh, the risk off um, you know money is 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 going in, in, into gold because of this, and it's going into the dollar also. And it's it's going like I said, it's it's going to continue to go into the U.S. stock market because, I mean, the U.S. the U.S. economy is still the best best engine here. Uh, driving the economy, which is about over th over twenty five percent of the global economy, and and uh, blue chip stocks that pay you know um, that pay a healthy dividend are a lot better than investing in, in something in, in the EU, which is collapsing right now. You know, I mean, uh, with what's going on in the EU, it's 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 you know it's it's gonna it's gonna affect the dollar, and it's gonna affect the dollar on the upside. You know, there's nothing there's nothing the U.S. can do to keep the dollar from from strengthening in the long run, um, you know they can they can hit it here and there, but you know the, the euro is what I think fifty seven percent of of the dollar index. So um, what's what's going on in the EU is is very serious, and um, uh, I, I'm I'm really what I, what I am concerned about is base metal. You know, as far as juniors are concerned, base metal juniors and copper juniors. You know, those those are the ones that, that that you should you should avoid, you know, put a few on your watch list. Absolutely. Because, you know, they're, they're starting they're starting to get down to really, you know, really good values. Long term, copper, zinc. Very good. Me short to medium term. Not so good.
This episode of Mining Stock Education is brought to you by U.S. Gold Corp. U.S. Gold Corp. is a U.S.-focused gold exploration and development company advancing high-potential projects in Wyoming and Nevada. U.S. Gold Corp. has consolidated a district on Nevada's productive Cortez trend and is advancing the Copper King project towards production in Wyoming. Led by a team of prolific company builders and renowned explorers, including Dave Mathewson, who's directly responsible for several major Nevada gold discoveries, U.S. Gold Corp. is well-financed and has an extremely tight share structure with less than 20 million shares outstanding and it trades on a major stock exchange the nasdaq under the ticker usau to learn more go to usgoldcorp.gold that's usgoldcorp.gold we've been talking about a lot of the forces external to these companies we invest in but from your perspective david what do you think a company can do a junior mining company can do um, internally that the market will reward it for in terms of a rising share price? Well, your best bang for your buck, as if that's, I guess that's kind of what you're asking me right now, Yep, um, would, be, would be an early stage exploration company that has a district scale land package, high grade targets in a district scale land package with a tight share structure, with a management team that has access to capital that is serially, serially successful, and they hit a bonanza great hole. That that is going is going to give you your biggest upside. You know, a, a company you know that has those attributes and and not any warrants or very many warrants that, that are going to be in the money to, to 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 keep it from going higher. What about for an advanced stage project? What would be something a company at this stage of the game uh, developmental timeline? What could they do? That would produce that the market would reward the most, whether it be metallurgical studies, you know, infill holes. What do you see here? Well, a lot of the attributes that I mentioned for for the early stage company, along with a management team that understands the importance of drilling to proof of concept, as opposed to over drilling a project and over diluting shareholders on the way to uh, a large resource in a dis- contained in a district scale land package in a tier one jurisdiction. You know, by the time you get there, you don't want to have three, four hundred million shares outstanding. By the time you get there, you know, you want to have less than less than 250, uh, hopefully under 200, but less than 250 million shares out by the time you get to the feasibility stage. No, that's a good point. And then as you say that, I was thinking back to Northern Empire from last year. I mean, they so got bought out at an all time high. Literally nobody that invested in that company lost money. <laughs> right. Right. Um, yes. Uh, I, I was a little disappointed that they that they sold so soon. Right. But I, I couldn't really be upset because I did make money on it. But uh, that's a very that's a very good management team. That's a very serious. That's a very good, uh, serially successful management team that you want to you want to be you want to follow those guys around and what, and, and what they're doing. Um, when you t- when you have management teams like that, Ox- Oxygen Capital is another one um, is another really good management team. But, um, you know, they've got. They've got a company, uh, Pure Gold, which which they they've kind of blown out the share structure on on where they're they're building their mine now. So um, you just got you just got to be careful on uh, on these things because um, you know you could you, you could have you could have uh, a junior that ticks all the boxes as far as management team, as far as jurisdiction, as far as you know cash in the bank, as far as a high grade high grade deposit, you know, it's got blue sky, it's got everything going for it. And then you then you look at the share structure and it's got four or five hundred million shares out. And that's something you wanna you want to stay away from because that's gonna limit your upside. 
What about um, as this bull market is progressing, and there's be two things I'd like you to touch on as, as we conclude, uh, your exit strategy. Uh, you and I have talked before how 90% of your gains in these stocks can occur in that parabolic last 10% of the move. How do you play your exit strategies with these uh, high-risk stocks? Well, now that we're technically in a bull market, the first thing you want to do is never, ever sell your core position. Not until not until we've reached the end of this cycle, which I don't think is going to be for at least a few more years. So um, absolutely take profits along the way. Um, it all depends on what type of junior you're talking about as far as an exit strategy is concerned. Um, it, as far as an early stage exploration play is concerned, um, it's usually a pretty good idea if you're fortunate enough to be into an early stage exploration play and they hit something and the share and the share and the share price really takes off like doubles or triples then you want to get your investment capital off the table and you just want to hold the rest on house money and see what happens you know and but also but also keep following it and make sure management are doing the right things that that, that I talked about earlier uh, on the project so that's for an early stage company uh, for um, for uh, a developer it all depends on what stage you get into to to the uh, to the junior. You know, if you're fortunate enough to get in early on a developer explorer that has already proved up uh, a nice sized project and the share price really hasn't taken off yet, you might want to wait a while till you take your money off the table. You know, your I mean your uh, your investment capital off the table. You might want to wait for a triple till you get your investment capital off the table. Plus, you know, um, as far as the size of the particular junior you're, you're, you're considering to take profits in, if it, my rule is if, if a junior becomes more than, if one junior becomes more than 10% of my entire portfolio, I'm going to take some profit because you never want to, you never want to have, I don't care how good the junior is. I don't, I, I you know, I don't, I don't care how good, uh, the the, the 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 company is the management is or anything i mean you just these things are risky bottom line they're all risky you know there's 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 levels of risk there's low risk there's medium risk there's high risk but they're all risky so you want to make sure because anything can happen to a minor you know force majeure government whatever so you want to make sure that you have your investment capital off the table um you know if you have a large position and also, you want to keep taking some profit on the way up and never let it get more than 10%, because if something bad happens to it, it can really hurt your portfolio. What about uh, the gold producers? Is there like some standard metric that you keep in mind, you know, a price-to-earning metric that is kind of like a sell signal for you? Well, it all depends on – well, it's not just price-to-earnings, because the, the, the producers – Amount of reserves and things like that right, factor in. Yeah. The producers that I invest in, I only in, invest in growth-oriented producers, small-cap growth-oriented producers. I don't invest in mid-tiers. I don't invest in majors. So you know, it all depends. If if it's a if it's a a, a growth-oriented producer that's not producing very much at this time, and their upside is in their growth, I don't I don't really care you know, about their, about their valuation metrics, as long as they're not, you know, and as long as they're not losing tons of money, as long as they're, they're all in sustaining costs is, is still around a thousand or below. But, um, you know, if, if their, if their upside is in their growth, 
it doesn't matter to me. Being in a gold bull market, you have mentioned to me before that there can be a lot of shysters in this sector that we need to work out, uh, be aware of, excuse me. I'm holding in my hand a book that I bought in the last two weeks. I haven't read it yet. It's called Fleecing of the Lamb, or Fleecing the Lamb, the Inside Story of the Vancouver Stock Exchange. In conclusion, what would be your final words of warning to my listeners? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have to borrow that one from you when, you, when you're done with it. I haven't read that one yet. Uh-huh. But uh, <laughs> yeah, you've got to really be careful. You know, um, with anybody pumping any stock, um, because uh, it's really difficult to value something once either a newsletter uh, gets a hold of it or some uh, some website with a large following or whatever it is. If, if someone has a large following and they're touting a stock, it's going to get bought and it's going to start to go parabolic. You want to be careful on chasing anything. I don't care what stage of the bull market you're in. You want to be careful of chasing any of these, and you want to make sh- you want to make darn sure why the stock has gone up as much as it has before you buy it. Because I, I have I don't chase I don't chase anything. You know, um, I, I I try to do as much due diligence as I can, as, mu- as much research as I can to try to find the companies that I believe are going to go up before I have to chase them. So um, yeah, it just you just got to be very careful. Of, of things that have huge moves because they're always going to correct. You know, they're always going to correct. I mean, it, it's it, the, the rule is buy fishing lines and sell rhino horns. Um, it's, it, it's difficult to do, but that's the only way you're, that, that's the best way you're going to make money in this sector. And there's, I don't, I don't care what stage of the bull market you're in. You know, there's there's always going to be a company that has a really good project and it ticks all the boxes that something short term happens to them that is bad news and 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 the retail is going to sell it. That's your opportunity to buy it. Yeah, I'd, I'd rather buy something that that has a proven deposit, that has a proven management team. They know what they're doing. And then something short term bad news happens to the stock and I'll pounce on that fishing line. That's why you, you want to make sure you have a watch list. I have a watch list of 20 companies that I have. See, I have a portfolio of, of 25 or so companies. And then I have a watch list of 20 more that, are, that, have, that I have already vetted to, to replace a company that maybe isn't, isn't performing up to snuff or, or the company's not, not doing what I, what I expected them to do in the first place when I bought the stock. So once I once I decide to sell something, I already have an idea of what I'm going to buy to replace it. That's why it's always good to have a watch list, and you want to make sure that uh, all all you always have an exit strategy before you buy something. Excellent advice from the Junior Miner Junkie. To learn more about the Junior Miner Junkie uh, newsletter subscription and uh, how you're able to get a glance over David's shoulder as he buys and sells, navigates this market, go to JuniorMinerJunkie.com. As always, David, I appreciate your insights. I look forward to seeing you in a month at the Beaver Creek Precious Metals Summit, and I'll make sure to touch base with you there. Looking forward to it, Bill. Always my favorite conference, and always great to talk to you and see you. Thanks a lot. 
Trilogy Metals is a world-class developer in Alaska's Ambler Mining District. The company already possesses 8 billion pounds of high-grade copper, 3 billion pounds of zinc, over 1 million gold equivalent ounces, and over 77 million pounds of cobalt. Trilogy's Arctic project boasts an after-tax net present value of $1.4 billion with a 33% internal rate of return. Trilogy is led by an experienced management team with proven success in discovering and developing projects in Alaska. The company is well-capitalized has no debt, and possesses strong institutional support. Trilogy trades in New York and Toronto under the ticker TMQ. To learn more, go to TrilogyMetals.com. That's TrilogyMetals.com. Thank you for listening to this Mining Stock Education Podcast. Please subscribe and share with like-minded investors. Visit us on the web at MiningStockEducation.com for more resources on precious metals and natural resource investing. At our website, you can also sign up for our free newsletter for interview transcripts, stock picks, and more. This podcast is for informational purposes only and is not to be considered personal legal or investment advice or a recommendation to buy or sell securities or any other product. We make every effort to be accurate, but the information presented is not to be considered infallible. It may contain errors and we offer no inferred or explicit warranty. If personal advice is needed, consult a qualified legal, tax, or investment professional. Do not base any investment decision on the information contained on MiningStockEducation.com, our podcasts, or videos. Make sure you always conduct your own thorough due diligence before investing. Realize that we may hold equity positions in or be compensated by some of the companies we feature and therefore are biased and hold an obvious conflict of interest. For our full disclaimer, please visit our website.